Welcome to the Sorry-Eyed Effect. I'm Steph. And I'm Brendan. And I'm Jen. On this podcast, we'll be chatting about all things Williams Syndrome. The ups and downs. And what it's like living with Williams Syndrome. We're excited to share our community with you. Thanks for being here. Hey Jen, how are you? Hi Brendan, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I feel like I didn't see you except for like a hot second in July. I was busy. Wow, yeah, that went by way too fast. It did go by way too fast. I had the time of my life at camp. Um, it was a fun experience. And then and like I just came home and now it's back to school and yeah, like busy. Are you busy? Uh, I am busy. You know, uh, I'm involved with Best Buddies. Uh, so I'm busy with doing stuff for Champion of the Year, uh, cool. fundraising and all that stuff. Um, I'm involved with golf for Special Olympics. Uh, I have a tournament coming up in September. Uh, I have a gig on Saturday. Hopefully it doesn't rain. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, I'd say I'm busy and, you know, doing the podcast as well and, you know, all all good things. Yeah, we had a couple guests on today um, that were great. We had yeah. Kayla Tack and she, I met her at camp. She was attending camp as a, as a in the teen program, even though she's 18 and a half. Um, right. She was like adorable to talk to. Um, you guys know each other, right? Really cool. Yes, we do. We're friends on Facebook and we chat in the, the Stereoid Effect group chat and outside of that. Yeah, she's cool. I like her. We have a group chat? Stereoid Effect has a group chat? The general group chat. Yes. You got to get in on that. I had no idea. Um, that's maybe... Yeah. It's me might be aging me a little bit. Okay. Um, that's cool. I'll add you. Because <laughs> I'm an I'm admin, so I can add you. <laughs> oh good. Okay. You can you can admin me into the chat. Unless people are saying bad things and then don't don't admin me in. No, um, I've tried to keep it pretty, you know, cool and collective and make sure that there's not a lot of crap going on in there. <laughs> I enjoyed, I enjoyed chatting with her a little bit more. Um, Cause I, like I said, I met her at camp, but I was with Stella. Yeah. So my interactions were a little bit limited. Um, super cool. It sounds like she's doing a lot of great things and this was her first year at camp. So I liked hearing her perspective as a, as a first time attendee. Um, and then we had Bianca Carrazzo and yep. you, did you say you guys met before or you haven't? We hadn't. I mean, we went to the same event in New York okay. uh, back in April. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll meet at the upcoming event in November. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah, Bianca is a speech language pathologist. And she actually just started as a, uh, she's coming on board the WFA yeah. as a Fulton's. Um, she yep. does have experience in the Williams syndrome community. She is uh, currently an SLP for an individual with Williams syndrome, looking to just provide families with the resources um, and guidance that, as you guys will all listen to this, that's like pretty much 
all I did was ask for guidance from her this whole time on the podcast, but um, it was a great episode. You can clearly yeah. see we need her services. And we wanted to mention that her yes. email is bcarrazzo hyphen syndrome Williams hyphen syndrome that's right oh my gosh I'm glad you're here to to remind us but um I thought that was a good conversation that we had with her and I'm so excited that we have another pillar of support for our community it's gonna be cool it's uh, it's it's awesome it's good well I guess we'll see more of each other in August maybe yeah September so maybe September yeah you know, August is halfway done. Well, more than halfway done. Yeah. So you guys yeah. want to do, should we do some more episodes in September so that we can kind of cover more ground with, uh, with school age stuff? Yes. yes that would be, I'd, I'd or maybe like get that. Michelle, maybe get Michelle a different, you know, a different IEP perspective. And, uh, we'll look yeah. at some more, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about school and school age problems here for September. Cause, uh, we're not problems. School age opportunities. School age things. <laughs> and such. And, and such. That's going to be the name of the episode. School age things and such. Correct. Correct. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's get to the episode. Uh, I just decided to chime in and be part of this. So I hope you guys. Oh, don't... That's great. I thought we were. Oh, done. That's great, Joel. Yeah. Oh, this, are... I'm, I'm keeping all of this in. And uh, let's, let's get into it. Let's go. All right. Let's go. Hi, Kayla. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. So for those who don't know who you are, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell everyone what you're about and, you know, all that good stuff. I'm Kayla. I'm 18. I'm from Montreal, Canada, and I love, I love music and I love wearing like all different kinds of clothing and I love seeing friends and that's what I'm all about. Like those three things are mainly what I'm about. That's awesome. Yeah. I think we were saying, Kayla, when we joined the call, that you are our yes. second international guest. Yes, I'm very happy about that. And I met you at camp a couple weeks yes. ago. Yeah. So I, I didn't remember your name, but then as soon as I saw you on the screen, I was like, oh, there's yes. that cutie. Um, you are so outgoing and yes. I, think, I can't even remember if I met you like the first or second day but I just remember like meeting you I have a daughter her name is Stella yes she's 13 and she's like spicy she's not like as friendly so every time I meet like a super friendly sweet William Swindon person I'm always like dang it you're so great why did <laughs> I get it? um so was that your first time at camp Yes, it was my first time, actually. Okay, well, tell us. Tell us how you got to camp, Um, like, in terms of, like, how did you decide to come to camp from Canada? That's a long way, and and just Um, now you've been here at home a couple weeks. Like, you've had time to digest it all. So the reason why I mainly went to camp was because I never really had, like, a camp that I can go to with people that had Williams syndrome, so it was really fun for me to meet other people with Williams syndrome and get to do like music and like do dancing and and like express my emotions through like 
those kinds of like workshops and activities like that was the main goal for me to have like a space that I can feel free to just be myself awesome so cool so in where you live I do you have friends that have Williams syndrome I only have like um two friends yes that have Williams syndrome and they're both girls yeah because I mean this is like a lot of people with Williams syndrome you tend to be like the only person in your community Mm -hmm. that and so connection I know is really important right going to a place you feel like you're with yeah did you feel that way at the end of camp? Were you like, this is where I'm meant to be? Yes, I felt very happy, but I also felt very overwhelming at the end because I was like really drained and tired from all the activities and everything. So that was a little bit hard, a little bit difficult at the end. But I felt like during the week, I felt like myself and I felt like I can, I did so many crazy things that I never would do like on a normal daily basis so it was amazing for me that's awesome yeah and so honestly, yeah go ahead and honestly like going on that zip line for the first time that was crazy for me because I never done that in my life before so that yeah. was crazy I was going to ask you so at camp there's like um so you're in t- you would be in the teen camp group, yeah right? we have like a therapy camp which is for younger kiddos like my daughter this was her last year of therapy camp but next year she'll go to teen camp but you were in the teen camp portion and that's really all about like the whole week you guys kind of work on like a like a production right you're like yes writing songs and you're creating skits that at the end of the camp that you perform which were so great I think you guys did a great job but you also get to do activities so yeah yeah I did do this with wine at first I was very like nervous and I didn't want to do it at first but then I told myself like why don't you go and do it it's gonna be a different experience so I tried it and it was really interesting. Was that your favorite activity? Um, my favorite activity was the swing, actually. I loved that swing. It was so freeing, and it felt great. Just, like, swinging that high. It was really fun. That did look really fun. Um, so yeah. this was your first year at camp. Um, yeah. And it's teen camp, so you you. Mm-hmm. See- you say like with a group of of people, right? Yes. People you've never met before. How was that? That was fun. Honestly, I loved meeting everyone and having new friends was amazing. And I connected so much with the other girls in my cabin. It was amazing. Yeah, you did like everything together, right? Yeah, exactly. So Kayla, how old were you when you were diagnosed with Williams syndrome? Do you know? Two years old. Two years old. Okay. Yeah. And so you said you're 18 or 19? I'm almost 19. So yeah. It's 19. Almost. That's yeah. exciting. Um, when you yeah. get to be my stop telling people like, you're like, I'm almost 45. It doesn't have the same kind of excitement. <laughs> um, <Right>. So <laughs> up until now, like, just tell us about your journey with, you know, having Williams syndrome when you were young and going through school how has that been for you? Um, honestly, it was um, when I was younger, I had 
I I ha I haven't had like any issues when I was younger. Like everything was really great. Um, but when I when I turned like um when I turned into my teenage years, it was very difficult. Like especially this year and last year, like I had a lot of issues, and it was really hard for me. Um, but um, when I was younger in school, I I. School was kind of rough at first, but then once I got old, like once I like went to high school, it was hard too. But then when I went back to the same school I am now, I feel so much better about everything. And that that high school years are very difficult because I did get bullied a lot and did have a lot of and didn't get along with a lot of the kids in high school, so that was difficult and. Um, yeah, but there was a lot of fun things that I did do in high school. I remember like having, I I connected with a lot of the people and the teachers. Some of the teachers were nice, but not all of them, but some of them. So yeah, and I would say now I'm feeling a lot better. Like what I went through the past two years were very difficult. Um, I didn't get to go to school a lot because I was very sick all the time and I would I would just like my mom had to take me to the hospital a lot because I had a lot of different issues. Like I lost a lot of weight and like I had a lot of IVs and like all that stuff. So it was really hard. Was that related to your Williams syndrome or was it like other um, stuff? So I, yeah, it was related to my Williams syndrome because I had endometriosis. It was really bad. Like it was like, Painful. I remember having just the horrible, like horrible things going on at that time, and I wasn't myself. Mostly, like I felt like I was a different person. Anxiety and depression and all of that all came together, and it was just a bunch of craziness. Yeah. Do yeah. You, so, do you still feel like you have? I mean, like, is generally speaking, do you have a lot of anxiety and depression, or? Yeah. Yes. And how, how do you manage yeah. that? I went to a lot of therapy. I've been doing therapy for ever since I was 13. So I've been going to therapy and I've been uh, also at school. I have like a therapist. So like I've been like doing a lot of therapy and like also like um a lot of music helped me like a lot, through a lot of times. Like a, I would listen to music whenever I was in pain or if I was having a hard day, I would just listen to music and, and talking to friends too really helps. Like talking to my best, like close friends and close family members that really helps me a lot. And medication, I do take medication for it. Um, yeah, that, that was, um, like transitioning from a young, like being so happy when I was young and not having all of this, it was like crazy. Like, do you like all kinds of music? I like all kinds of music, but sometimes when I'm in the, like, when I'm very hyped, like, I get hyped when I listen to music. So, like, country music is one of, like, the biggest hype music, I feel like, that I listen to. And there's some music that I am very sensitive to, actually. So, I don't, like, listen to jazz. Like, that. that's one of the music that I avoid most of the time because I feel like, it's kind of 
kind of makes me feel like kind of angry in some ways. Like, I don't know why, but just like trumpets. Yeah, yeah like trumpets. That's a big one for me, like a big thing that yeah. I can't stand. So I don't listen to any of that really. So at camp, you got to like learn how to play some instruments because you don't yeah. play. Um, how was that experience for you? Um, that was really fun. Um, I really connected to the musical instruments. And when I listen to music, I'm kind of in this world that I can just like hear music all around me. And I feel so free. Like I feel like a butterfly, like just listening to music. It makes me feel like joyful happy did you like that that part like so in camp like we were saying you get to like write yeah. songs sing songs you get to create i love playing the instruments that was fun for me um i i always have had this like special connection to music ever since i was a little kid like i remember just like running around the house when i was younger just listening to music and and my dad would play a lot of music in the house so every every like every time my dad would play music I would just listen to it and just feel and dance and I'm also a very good dancer actually I did dancing when I was younger so did a lot of dancing and then I stopped for a long time but like doing dance at camp was really fun yeah well, was it hard for you to leave your parents then to go to teen camp or were you like, yes, that, that, that was a little bit hard. I think I, I, um, me and my mom are so close. So like not having, like not having my best friend like next to me was kind of like not having my mom was a little bit difficult, but then at the end, I kind of realized that it's fun to have like, it's fun to have a little bit of both, you know, like with your friends and then like stuff with your family. So I found that was really interesting, not having my parents around for a week. Yeah. yeah it's it's How- awesome like, to have your own sense of like independence. Yeah. For, for a while to be able to yeah. be on your own and, you know, mm-hmm. do your own. You're, you're with a lot of other people who have the same feelings right like I know I heard a lot of the yeah. teens talking that they miss their parents but yeah we're excited to not be with their parents too like it's a yeah. you know double-edged sword for sure did you oh, yeah how when you guys were at camp and you were feeling sad about that like how did you guys like as a group handle that did you shake it off and dance it out or did you talk through it yeah, I talked through it with um, the counselors because I, that's how I communicate. Like I talk through things, and I, I'm a person that's very open. So, like, it's kind of hard for me as well to show my emotions sometimes because I get like nervous around like other people that I don't really know. So yeah. So yeah. what things are you looking forward to? going back to school is this like exciting or I'm very excited to go back to school I love my school I have I love it so much it's like a place that I can go to and be myself and I love like learning different things and I love to do they have like 
really cool activity, like things I can do at school and it's really fun. We actually have a store in our school, which is really cool. That's cool. cool. Um, yeah, it's like in the award system. So we use that award system at school and we get to like go to the store sometimes in our school and get to like pick out like a gift card or like a bookmark. And like they have so many fun things that we do at our school. Gift cards. That sounds yeah. Like- That's awesome. Um, it's really great. I love my school and I love how they make everyone like feel so comfortable and everything. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. How does going to a camp help in preparing to go to school? Um, definitely. Um, maybe um want to ex- like do more things. Like I want to do more things this year because I feel like I have missed a lot. So I I'm gonna try my best to do fun the fun things this year and focus on the positive and um be happy and just be myself what about like again you've you know grown up having Williams syndrome you've known from very young age that you have it like maybe you could what's like the best thing about having Williams syndrome and what is a thing that can be difficult um so the best thing about having Lillian syndrome is the music definitely and having the uh like a community that I can really like have friends and the hard part of it is definitely like the medical side I would say um in my personal experience um medical is definitely definitely the hardest part and this stomach like I I had so many stomach issues and all this crazy stuff and I remember like having having to to um have like a special especially like the doctors that I have seen before like as I said like I talked on the on the on the chat on Facebook and I said that um there were some doctors that they didn't really like um believe me and they didn't really understand my experience and they kind of just kind of just like left me in the point where I didn't know what to do so it was that was another really hard part about yeah Kayla and I have talked about it because we're friends on Facebook so we we talked about that kind of thing Oh, it's good that you guys have, you know, each other as a community to be able to talk to some of these things because they are, they're not like unique to the world, but they're definitely like how they impact you. It's that's unique. Yeah. Able to have like a group where you can talk about that stuff, especially stomach issues, right? Because that's like not an exciting thing to talk about. So to know that's it, man. Um, And I, and also like I've also went through like not able to eat anything like drink that was hard for me too like especially when I was dealing through endometriosis like those six months were like really difficult like not eating and drinking and not able to like know what like I was in so much pain and I remember just like not wanting to come out of my bed and just not wanting to 
to be like I I was so depressed and I remember just like dealing with so much stuff and I hated like having to have so many IVs and so many blood tests and like so many things that they did so many tests and nothing ever came out so it was like those those times are very difficult as well yeah Yeah. do you feel like you're in a good spot now with that yes I feel like I'm stronger and I'm more able to be myself again and be able to eat my favorite foods that I have that I can that I haven't had in a long time because I like that 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 took a lot from me like it took took a lot of things from me that I I'm a foodie I love eating food so having me able too. to not eating food was really hard for me like yeah. especially like not eating my favorite foods was really hard for me and not able to like keep things down it was very hard for me as well Kayla is there anything else we got to wrap up but like anything else you want to tell our listeners about you or William syndrome or experience at camp all we talked about all the things yeah we did yes we did, did a yeah lot of I'm, that I'm strong and that I'm confident and that any 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 little hill over the way is how I deal thing with things and I'm powerful and that's just who I am hello Bianca how are you I'm great how are you I'm doing well so for those who don't know uh who you are uh why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone uh what you're all about hey thanks um so my name is Bianca Carrazzo I'm a speech language pathologist I'm located in the New York City area and I've been in the field for, I just finished year 23. And um, I've been working with um, what I've had one consistent client that has Williams syndrome. I've been working with him for five years. Um, and given the rarity of Williams syndrome, it's unfortunately has made me an expert um, because I've been able to be exposed to the Williams syndrome community at more so than any other um, because of the level of like, passion and advocacy in in the Williamson Joe community, just unmatched by any other. So um, I've been fortunate enough to meet lots of families. um, And then I was invited to a symposium last year where I met Mary and we hit it off. And next thing you know, I am now a consultant. I'm the speech um, language pathology consultant for the WSA. And which means I can support families in a variety of ways by, you know, consulting and, and reviewing their current plans, maybe assessing to see if there's something else that needs to be done for their child's communication needs, I, a variety of, of needs, just maybe giving them resources. And then I will be participating in webinars and support groups as as they as they come up, whatever I can do to help improve the communication um, and ultimately the quality of life of, of um, those have, who have Williams syndrome. That's awesome. Yeah, that is like so excited to have you with um, with us, I guess, on, on board as a consultant because speech is such a big deal for many of our families. So you you worked with like one individual with Williams syndrome. That's kind of how the door opened. So how long have you worked with your 
Williams syndrome client. So I have full permission to um, disclose. I, I spoke to his mom because I'm very dear friends with his mom. So she okay. gave me full permission to, you know, give to to speak um, about him. So Anthony, okay. Anthony Filippazzo of the Anthony Filippazzo grant is my, is my boy. And I came on board kind of, he was, um, so he's going to be 12. I came on board when he was about seven. So okay. he was already receiving services. So I okay. came on when it was time to make the next leap, which was like into more abstract language. Um, he was, he already had a labeling vocabulary, but reciprocal conversation, which I'm sure you've seen with Stella. I don't know if that's so something hard. you've experienced. So hard. Oh, we're struggling. So, for sometimes, sure. Especially for it to be natural. Yes. So I kind of came, I came on board at a time when it really fit my level of expertise. And we were able to take him from the previous therapist who was, he had some really great ones. And then I was able to kind of take him now into, you know, pre-adolescence and, and school aged and all of those things. So it's been five years. Okay. It's been five years. And so what you kind of already mentioned it, but like really your focus, has it been the reciprocal language piece or has it been other elements of speech also? I don't know what those are. <laughs> so it's been a little, a little bit of everything. Reciprocal language um, conversation and that, you know, that ease of like social cues, um, being able to follow mm -hmm. them without it being very rote um, and very, you know, rehearsed has been always yes. the underpinning. It's always because it's the, that's the ultimate goal, right? When you, you want to be able to have, that's what you want at the end of the day is your child to be able to be an adult who can advocate for themselves in this world and use communication for a variety of purposes, not just academic. I would love for you to talk about the reciprocal piece and like what you're doing with Anthony. Now that you've said his name, I can say his name too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's really a big focus. Um, But I wanted to say, I don't have the actual research in my hand to support it. I could certainly find it. I did read something once that's like, because I experienced it with my daughter, Um, that there is something biologic, physiologically and biologically that happens to the brain chemistry of kids as they go through adolescence, neurotypical or not, that just makes them kind of regress in their higher order skills, like their executive function skills. So if they're already at a, like, at a disadvantage with executive function, which is those abil that ability to kind of think about their thinking, it will be exacerbated during these adolescent years for a little okay. while. That's I, I should I have, I will find it because I've read it and I've actually shared that with so many people because I find it fascinating that all of a sudden they kind of go back to being like unreasonable people. The reciprocal part we so I remember starting out with him so he was seven. It was basic are you and it was almost like pulling teeth to get that back. He would more he would say fine just to get through the conversation. It was almost painful for him to have to you know engage in just like, you know, how are you? Um, and then we transitioned. Now we're at a point where he'll, we'll sit there and he'll say, he calls me Miss Beebe. Miss Beebe, what are you going to do after you leave here? And I'm like, oh, well, so it's been a progression. That didn't happen overnight. That happened with just a lot of really naturalistic. I didn't want to force it on him. I wanted it to be as natural as possible throughout like play, throughout, you know, just conversation. I would ask him about but sometimes I'll just say, I'm like, how was school? How awesome. Well, what was so awesome about it? Tell me three things that made it awesome. Because they may have the academic vocabulary and they may be able to label, you know, and, you know, all kids that are, are getting services, they may be able to label or use a word in a sentence. That doesn't mean they can access that conversational vocabulary like, to mm. say why they feel a certain way about something. 
So we worked a lot on that. What else are you like seeing in general as you look at our community or what is our community like shared with you that are focuses for you? So I think it's that there's really no, I think the social aspect is probably the only commonality. I think everything else is, well, no, I'm, I'm, let me backtrack. I think executive functioning, which is kind of wrapped up in that higher everything. order skill. Everything, yes. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, people think it's it just, it's just learned. It's not. Ex- executive function, even in neurotypical children, has to be explicitly taught. So, um, and I think that when, with, with the Williams syndrome community, there's, I mean, there's so many competing priorities, right? There's the medical aspect, there's the behavioral aspect, the educational aspect. And then, you know, and I don't know if it's, there's probably a multitude of reasons why maybe kids aren't exposed to that piece that would um, strengthen their executive functioning skills, which is really just, you know, having that co- that constant dialogue with their families. Like, you know, I try to do that with my daughter um, where I, you know, tell her like why I make a particular decision or, you know, time management or things like that. And um, perhaps in a world where there's so many competing priorities that might get lost and it's also not easily absorbed if those linguistic skills are in any way delayed. Um, Because I think parents, I'm a parent, I think we're very hard on ourselves. I think we do not give ourselves the grace that whether it's, whether you're dealing with I think we all have conflicting priorities, no matter where you are, where your child is in the developmental spectrum, right? That we all have like, whether it's cheer and dance or it's doctors and which are obviously a higher priority, but everybody's juggling. And I think if you get a moment of peace and sanity, and it means that in that moment, you didn't teach your child a specific skill. Well, a happy parent is a happy kid. So I think that we don't always give ourselves that I think, and especially when you're dealing with some the kids who receive therapy and, you know, it's like, oh, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. No, that's what the therapists are for. You can carry it over in your, in your moments of, you know, downtime. And, and I always tell parents, um, don't, don't expect to do it all day, every day. If you can carve out 20 minutes a day where you dedicate, whether it's conversational skills or, or even 15 minutes a day, you'd be surprised. Just that consistency is much more important than the length of time. What are those things that parents should be advocating for? And again, maybe selfishly, because I'm talking like teen, you know, middle schoolish brain time frame that often get missed. From the legal standpoint, um, it's really anything that prevents a child from accessing curriculum. Anything that, so if there's something, if there's some type of speech and language disability or delay that's hindering them from accessing curriculum. So that would be what school-based services um, because that's that's my day job. I do evaluations for the school system here. So okay. we determine if a child's disability prevents them from, or if the child has a disability that's precluding them from accessing curriculum. Okay. But when they get into seventh grade, a lot of the reading material is implied meanings. And I, Brenda, I don't know if you yes. can remember back to seventh grade, but middle school curriculum is not as straightforward. Once they hit like yep. third, fourth grade, it becomes a lot more inferencing. Yes. Um, so it's not what's being said. And it's the same as the social cues, right? If they're not able to read it in a room, how are they reading it in a passage or in a, in a, in a textbook? So yes. it's about those implied meanings or making connections between an event that happened, which is history class, right? Isn't history all cause and effect? So I think that is one of the um, misconceptions. It's not about their ability to speak clearly 
or even comprehend basic, you know, what's the main idea it's about, the implied meanings. And that that's really kind of how we live our lives. I mean, I think most of us live our adult lives by implied meanings, by like what what we think something means. It's cloudy out. Well, it means I better take an umbrella, you know, so yeah. things like mm. of that nature. So that would be something that you could dig deeper into at this school okay. level. I think, I mean, I, I'm assuming because Mary brought me on, had a, she had a vision of, she had a vision of me being able to really guide parents through, and I guess it would be like advocacy, right? Because they, parents sometimes don't know what to look for. Um, it could, yeah. you know, so that could definitely be a component of it. I mean, I've been, I've been in this field long enough to know, you know, obviously what, what parents can do to um, access the appropriate services for their child. Um, sometimes it's a battle. It's not always yeah. handed over easily. Um, but if you, you know, but if the child is entitled to it and the child is eligible, parents might not even realize that because I think the misconception is speech, like articulation and, um, you know, the sounds that the child makes ver- or the basic labeling vocabulary and um, even sense. little ones, like even, you know, when, I don't know if, when Stella was little, I don't know if you experienced this, but, you know, even just being able to use language for a variety of purposes. It's not just about labeling. It's about, can they use it to ask for more of something? Can they do it to protest? You know, like no more. Can they do it for just basic interaction? So I think, you know, just because they can label all the items in their house, it's fantastic, but that's not all encompassing. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, as, as I told you, Stella's got the protesting down, like she's hell <laughs> no. F no. Because she's a teenager. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So much. So what is your, you're coming on board as a consultant with the WSA. And so like, how do, I guess, do you have anything that you're focusing on as you are introducing yourself to the community that you want this community, the people listening to know? And then I guess second part of that question is how do people access you as a resource? So what, um, I mean, I definitely, I'm always learning. So I, while I am definitely over the years have, I'd like to consider myself not an expert, but I have a lot of knowledge and experience in a lot of areas, but I'm learning too. So I'm always open to learning more and every child's different. So just because I'm the expert in maybe processing doesn't mean that, but I'm not the expert in Stella. You are. So, and I'm not Brendan. Brendan's mom is like, and I guess now that Brendan's an adult, he is, but um, I'm, I would never try to um, definitely learning as I go, as far as the community, because I know it's so diverse, like not every kid with William Syndrome is the same. And also I'm just, I'm here to support. I'm understanding. I'm not going to ever preach to a parent what they should be doing because we should, you know, we should give each other, you know, grace and, and, uh, and understand that the journey is, is not easy, but I do want parents to know that I'm here to give them guidance. Um, I have a wide variety of experiences, work experience. So I've seen a lot, so I can definitely share. And then as far as parents getting in touch with me, there is a scheduling link on the Williams Syndrome website, um, williamsyndrome.org. And then when you go to partners and there is, but I can also be reached by email at bcarrazzo at williamsyndrome.org. Okay. So really, really like the approach for you is like, get in contact with me. Let's talk about your child in depth and the things that, you know, you're seeing. Let's look at their, if they're in school, their, you know, stuff that's happening in school and like, let's 
yeah, like let's see where there's gaps, right? Because I mean, it's right, exactly like because I'm I'm a parent that's like just tell me you just tell me what I'm supposed to do and then I will go do it. Um, but I know, like you said, like not everybody is that way. So you um are taking a more collaborative approach, which I I'm sure is appreciated. And some do want just give me the recipe, and I'm fine with that too. I just yeah. I I just want um. I think sometimes, and I think sometimes families um, are reluctant in general, out inside Williams syndrome, outside, they're reluctant to consult professionals. Like I went to the dentist this morning, I was terrified he was going to yell at me, but you know, <laughs> that, you know, so I, I don't ever want any parent to not reach out because they think that's going to be the conversation. Never in a million years. I'm, you know, I, I just know that there's so many things that go on in, in people's lives that for you to reach out, that means you want the best for your child. So why would I? not make you feel we're like we're, we're a team but if a parent just says tell me what to do I'll, I'll certainly give out the recipe too to the best that I can yeah no that's awesome well in and in conjunction with some of the other resources we have like so you know about Robin Pig who's the educational yes the WSA and like ding, amazing um and then we also have Michelle Self who is um great she actually we work with her a lot she on on advocacy like in Stella's IEP so she's our IEP advocate um you bring kind of this expertise right that is going to help them um in like their areas of expertise because it is like you were saying like just because you're a speech person doesn't mean you know all of these other facets or how what you do impacts other areas of like an overall, I don't know if we education plan or like, you know, just overall like a plan for your kiddo. Um, so I think that this piece, the speech piece has really been a missing link for the WSA. And I'm, I'm so excited um, to have, have somebody on board that is going to be able to point a lot of parents like in the right direction or confirm that they're in the right direction already. There are some people who are really on top of it. That is not me. <laughs> I'm sure you're more on top of it than, you're, than, than you think so, but because obviously Stella's thriving. Obviously, she knows how to use all of her all of her curse words in the con in the appropriate context. That is contextual vocabulary. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, I'm really blessed. There's that. um, but also it's not if 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 that's not your um, for me this stuff, it's what I've studied. It's what I do. If for me it comes naturally, but. If that's not your industry that you've studied, if it's not your if it's not your field, it's it would be outside of your like it would not occur to you to let's say think about executive function because that's the expert's job. That's that's the that's the that's the teachers and the educators and the people that are working with her. That's um you can support, but it's not, you know. And that's why I tell I tell parents that all the time, whether it's um Anthony or other families that I work because I have a, a large client base let them be kids let you be the parent you just support and let us be let us be the therapist so that you know your kid doesn't look at you like they don't sometimes they don't want to engage because they're like oh they're going to try to give me speech therapy but it's my mom and I want to just talk to her like my mom mm. yeah like I love going to the school and being like I have all of these resources behind me. And so I'm not just coming to you as a mom saying like, here's the things I can work on. I'm coming to you with these recommendations from a speech language 
person that has 20 plus years of experience and PS also works with heavily with the Williams syndrome community. And I think when we have that kind of clout, it is much easier to get the things that we need at a local level. So I'm really excited that you're going to bring that for us. Thank you so much. I'm I'm super excited. And also to your point, um, I think that even in education, even though it's a public, you know, if your child's in public school, or it doesn't even matter, you should always be, you know, I think that um, it's important. You're still a consumer of that, of that, of that school. So it's great when you go there and you say, this is what I know. And um, because teachers are well-meaning, teachers are great. Teachers do a lot to in, in, improve their profession, but they don't know every um, every child, you know, full background, unless they've been working with them for years. So I think it's great to have those resources. And I hope I can, I certainly hope I will do my best to provide them for the entire community and um, whatever, whatever communication needs. I'm, I'm here to help. Well, you are walking into a wonderful community, as you know, of parents and people who are just the absolute best where I feel so fortunate that if this is our journey, that we get to work it with um, this group of people because they're absolutely tremendous. So they can, if people want to schedule a, a consultation with you, they can do so on the website. There's a link there. And would you say our email again so that we can make sure people get that? Carrazzo, C-O-R-O-Z-Z-O, at um, williamssyndrome.org. Okay, awesome. And I know Joel put that in the links as well. It was so awesome to meet you. I so great. I heard this whole conversation. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so, I'm so grateful to be here. You've been listening to The Starry-Eyed Effect, presented by the Williams Syndrome Association. The show is hosted by Jennifer Keaton, Brendan Lemieux, and Stephanie Karen, and produced by me, Joel Listman. Theme song by Tommy Barbarella and Mariella Elm. Got a question for the show? Email us at podcast at williams-syndrome.org. Video version of the podcast available on YouTube at the Williams Syndrome Association channel. Review us on Apple Podcasts and maybe it will get featured on a future episode. Make sure to like and subscribe to The Starry-Eyed Effect wherever you get your podcast delights. Yeah.